Kia ora, tēnā koutou katoa. Welcome to Airman's Podcast, episode 362. Today is Saturday, March 26th, 2022. There have been some changes here in New Zealand, and I'm going to tell you about that today. And then later on, I've got some things to say about this particular podcast. But first, I have an update to my previous episode. Specifically, it's about my solar electric system. And I'm not going to talk in any great detail about it, because as I said, I'm my next one is really going to be after I've had 12 full months with the uh, system up and running. However, on Monday, I think it was, I got my latest bill from the electric company. And the bill was better than it was last month, but not as good as it was in January. The The period that it bills is roughly the 22nd to the 22nd of the month. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because last time I was talking about how February had been a, a dark and rainy month. <laughs> Every time I say that, all I can think of is, is the start to a bad novel. But anyway, <laughs> it was a dark and rainy month. And the the period from the end of February to the beginning, to the middle of the third week or whatever of March was much sunnier and much brighter. And so that means that my my electricity bill was lower than it was in a shorter month. And that's just an example of what I was talking about, how the the weather specifically how cloud how dark the clouds are really really affects how much benefit i get from having solar panels on the roof so that's all i wanted to say <laughs> it's, not, it's not a big update but um it just underscores what i was saying now as of 11:59 p.m. last night new zealand has has new settings for our COVID-19 protection framework which is better known as the traffic light system and uh, the government announced some some changes to it um, earlier in the week because COVID is now endemic in the community. We've passed the peak, they believe, of new infections, although the number of cases in hospital and the number of deaths are going to take quite some time to catch up. Nevertheless, it's all moving in the right direction. And because it's here to stay now, it's important to move toward a way of coexisting with it. Basically, what this is, is the same learn to live with COVID strategy that every other country has adopted at some point. The difference, of course, is that we're in a much better position to do that than a lot of other countries are. 95% of the population is fully vaccinated. About 73% have had three jabs. And, you know, we're in a reasonably good space. So the changes are, the primary changes for the settings and you will recall they are red, orange, and green. Although the middle one, the name of that always throws me. But anyway, <laughs> leaving that aside. Um, the main changes are for the red setting are that the indoor capacity limits have been raised from 100 to 200 people. And outdoor capacity limits have been removed entirely. And what that means is that from today, Saturday, sports stadiums can be filled again. And there's a lot of sporting events that are going on. There's rugby this time of year. There's also the International uh, Women's Cricket World Cup going on. You know, things like that. So the stadia, outdoor stadia, can be filled again. But there's no requirement to wear masks outdoors, although it is suggested that's a good idea in close quarters. I don't know how many people actually will. The government has said that the risk of infection outdoors is known to be relatively low, and that's certainly true, and it's a good reason for them to go ahead and make that move. Also, at 11.59 p.m. last night, 
the requirement to scan the QR code for the COVID Tracer app ended, and businesses are no longer required to display the poster or provide the alternative way of signing in when somebody visits a store. Not that many people did, in my experience. I hardly ever saw anybody actually signing in. But the the gist of it is that they haven't been doing contact tracing for a very long time. And quite some time ago, the rules for who was a close contact were changed to narrow it down to just household contacts, the people you live with. And so if you happen to be in a shop at the same time as somebody who later tested positive for COVID, you were considered a close contact. I don't even know if they still count them as casual contacts anymore. I'm sort of vague on that part. But at any rate, uh, people in that situation were no longer required to isolate, uh, to self-isolate and you know, see what happens kind of thing. But they were told to watch for symptoms. Now, the issue with that part is that people were, were stopping scanning the QR code because they were afraid that they would be in a shop at the same time as somebody who had COVID and they would be required to isolate for 10 days, which is what it was at the time. And so people just stopped scanning because they didn't want to risk um, having to isolate. So I think that's actually part of the reason why the government made the changes to who was considered a close contact. And also then later on, they lowered the isolation period to seven days. And that is still still the rule today, that people who test positive and their household contacts have to isolate for seven days. And that's true at all settings in the traffic light system. That's not going to change that, that I can see. So that's the, right now, those are the main changes. But on April 4th, 11.59 p.m. on Monday, April 4th, the use of the My Vaccine Pass will no longer be required, which means that people don't need to be vaccinated in order to go to places like bars, restaurants, cafes, that sort of thing. However, businesses can still use them if they want to. I can't imagine that any actually will, but they, they can use them if they want to. But then the bigger thing about that, about that date rather, or on that date, is that the government vaccine mandates for many workers, many government employed workers will end. Now, in, in practice, that just means that teachers, police, uh, the defense force, I don't know if the fire, I imagine the fire service had to get um, vaccinated. I, I don't really remember anymore. Anyway, all of those will go. And the only ones that will remain will be health and disability workers, aged care workers, corrections staff, you know, in prisons and jails, and border workers. And the reason for that is to is to keep the, our most vulnerable people safe, and that includes elderly people and people confined in prisons and, and so on, but also to keep the workers safe because healthcare workers are exposed to people with COVID all the time. And so you want them to be vaccinated so that they are less likely to catch it themselves and then spread it to other patients. So that's what that's all about. So that will end on April 4th. Now, all of, and I should also add that Private businesses have their own vaccine mandates, and so far there's been very little move, movement announced to end the, the private mandates. They have to have their own reasons. They have to have a, basically, they have to have a good reason for having a vaccine mandate, but it'll probably be in areas of you know critical workers like supermarkets and, and things like that, where they'll remain at least for a while. But I think overall, we will see fewer and fewer mandates. And probably over time, the government mandates will be eased a bit as well, I would bet, although I'm not sure. Now, all of this is happening because of the fact that there that COVID fatigue is a real thing. And I don't mean the fatigue caused by COVID. I mean, fatigue of COVID 
or whatever, people are, are over it. And there is less and less compliance with the rules as it is. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, every time I've gone out, I've always scanned in every business I've entered, every single one. But I've noticed that I'm usually the only one who does. But um, it's clear that that um, Kiwis are already stopping, have already stopped doing that. Although it was a requirement under law to do that, there's no enforcement mechanism. And if somebody doesn't scan in, well, that's that because you can't rely on, you can't force it is irrational and unreasonable to make, uh, you know, minimum wage workers in shops force people to scan in because they're only going to get abuse from some people. So all of that is going away. What is remaining after all of this is done, both the changes last night and the changes in, in a week's time, is that face masks are still required in most indoor settings. That's really the one thing that's the same. And they will be under the orange level as well. They will only no longer be required indoors under green, although they'll be encouraged. And under orange, there will be no indoor or outdoor capacity limits, as same under green as well. So basically, orange is the same as green, but with face masks. <laughs> Pretty much. And on April 4th, uh, Cabinet is due to review our traffic light settings, and the strong hint is that we'll be moving to orange at that time. Now, because COVID is now endemic, and we are passing our peak of Omicron, and we are in a reasonably good position to fight it off, New Zealand is starting to open its borders to the world. And that's really what a lot of this easing of restrictions is about, in my opinion, because you can't have the borders, you can't open up the borders and have lots of restrictions at the same time. It just, it's counterproductive. This process has, has actually started the end of February. And at that time, New Zealanders and certain other people, uh, New Zealand citizens and permanent residents, could come from Australia to New Zealand. And the requirements were that they had to be vaccinated they had to have a pre-departure test, and they had to have been in Australia or New Zealand for the previous 14 days. And then they didn't have to self-isolate when they... Actually, sorry, I take that back. They, had, they did have to self-isolate when they first arrived, um, when this first started. But that ended on Wednesday, March 2nd. They didn't have to isolate because before that... The isolation period had been 10 days, and that, that was for people who tested positive. The government shortened that to the current seven days, and that applied to these people who were arriving. But as I said, after March 2nd, that was removed, and they no longer needed to self-isolate on arrival. From Friday the 4th, what changed was that um, New Zealanders and certain other people could arrive from anywhere in the world, and they didn't need to self-isolate when they arrived. But what Another thing that was different about this is that New Zealand citizens no longer had to be had to provide proof of vaccination in order to enter the country, but they still had to have the pre-departure test and you know that sort of stuff. And the next step then is on Tuesday, the twelfth of April. From then, Australian citizens and permanent residents can arrive from anywhere in the world, and they have to have the same requirements as anybody else. And on the first of May, people from visa waiver tr uh, countries can enter New Zealand now, and that's from anywhere in the world. And the issue there is a visa waiver country means that it's a country where you can um, you can come from that country, come to New Zealand, and you don't have to have a, a visitor visa arranged in advance. You get it at the airport. And a lot of us are familiar with that because uh, most countries participate in, in such a program. And that includes countries like the UK, Canada, the USA, Australia, well, Australia is 
a different case again. Places like that, basically. It's most of the developed world have a visa waiver agreement with New Zealand or, or with each other and so on. So they'll be able to arrive from Sunday the 1st of May at 11.59 p.m. So that's when the tourism sector should start reviving. But we'll see. Um, I mean, at this stage, the, the, the final plan is that from October sometime, the border will reopen to, to all categories, basically. And I don't know what they will do about uh, requirements for testing and that sort of thing. I, I suppose we'll have to wait and see what's going on with variants at that time. So this is all because in the next few weeks, the borders are going to be opening up really significantly. And from the 1st of May, quite a lot, because visa waiver countries will be able to resume. As a matter of fact, Air New Zealand is going to resume their flights, their nonstop flights from New York City to Auckland. I can't imagine being on a plane that long. <laughs> no, for those who want to do that, go for it. But uh, yeah, so that that's the gist, I think, of what is really going on here. Not really, it sounds like it's a conspiracy. What the motivation for this is, let's put it that way. So what it boils down to, in, in summation, what it boils down to is that New Zealanders are over these restrictions. And they, they're not obeying them anyway, so it, there's no point in, in keeping those. And it makes far more sense to focus on the things that they are doing or should do, which is wearing masks inside b most buildings, that sort of thing. And basically physical, physically distancing when they can, all those sorts of things, the common sense things that we know work. So if we remove the restrictions they're not obeying anyway, it makes it easier for them, for people to just keep doing the things that do work, hopefully. <laughs> We'll see. But at the same time, the borders are getting ready to open and we have to be in a position to welcome people in with as few restrictions as possible. So I think that what's going to happen is that on Tuesday, the government will decide that we're going to the orange level, which is basically just like green, but with masks. And that means that the tourists who arrive from April 5th onwards will be able to basically be like a normal tourist. They're not really going to have to do anything. But, you know, there, there are going to be new variants of Omicron. It's unlikely that they're going to be worse, but you never know. The one thing that we can be sure of with COVID is that we don't know, is that we can't be sure of anything. And it... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening. But that's where we're at. And I'm and I'm and I'm here for it. This is completely a good thing. Now, I said I was going to talk a bit about the podcast and that sounded more ominous than I intended. What I what I mean, meant was sort of a heads up because Monday the 28th, this coming Monday, is the 15th anniversary of the Emirates podcast. And I'm going to do an episode that day, maybe a real short one for all I know, but I'm just giving you advance warning that there's going to be an, another one in only a couple of days. So um, that's, that's, really, that's really all I wanted to say about it. Although there is, I have an observation, and that is that last time, the last episode I recorded on a Friday, but because I was busy with various things, I didn't get to finishing it, finish editing it or posting it until the following week. And it occurs to me that that's really not any different from what the YouTube vloggers I watch do. They don't talk about the date that they're recording, and sometimes they're way out of sequence, and, and sometimes it's really obvious, like um, a Christmas tree that suddenly pops up in a video, <laughs> and they're like, what? Yeah, so it, I've always said the date that I record, it's actually for me, so that I can tell when I recorded an episode. It's... And then I just sort of kept it up because I've always done it. And I don't think I'm going to stop. But 
it may I may it may become less relevant. I don't know. The thing is that if I don't record on one day, I could theoretically do like vloggers do and do little snippets over the course of a week, for instance, which might be a better way of doing this because then I could theoretically stick to one day a week to uh, post an episode and just record little bits and pieces along the week or during the week as um, things come up and things interest me and so on. I don't know. It's just a thought. I don't know what I'm going to do as far as that goes, but I do know that I'm going to be recording a new episode on Monday because it is the 15th anniversary of the Emerins podcast. And I cannot let such a momentous occasion occur without noting it in an appropriate way. <laughs> anyway, that's it for today. That's it, I was going to say, for this week. But technically, it's a new... Well, no, it's still this week. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it for today and for this week. And I will talk to you on Monday. Kakiteano. Bye. You can comment on this or any episode of the Emmerins Podcast at emmerinspodcast.com, where you can also leave a voice message. You can visit and comment on the Emmerins Facebook page, or you can email me with or without a voice message at emmerins at gmail.com. This podcast is a proud member of the Pride 48 Network and is produced and distributed under Creative Commons license. Complete details at the website.